section 47 of Frontier Humor in First Prose and Picture. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Frontier Humor in Verse, Prose, and Picture by Palmer Clock. A Visit to Benicia. Today, I had occasion to visit Benicia. The place is situated on the Straits of Carcunes, not far from the town the government arsenal and barracks are situated and as a striking proof of the loyal and law-abiding spirit of the citizens, I may mention the fact that all the government property above alluded to is defended by two soldiers, a corporal who, by the way, has a wooden leg, and a high private. While stopping there, I noticed they were engaged in the pleasurable task of firing a salute of 21 guns in commemoration of Bunker Hill. They were having a busy time of it for while the wooden-legged corporal was loading and discharging the cannon, the private was fording the ammunition from the magazine about a quarter of a mile distant in a wheelbarrow. If soldiers will do this in time of peace, I said to myself, what would they not accomplish in time of war? And I walked away from the spot congratulating myself for having invested in government bonds. The town, in all likelihood, would never have been heard of outside of the state of California had it not been for the brave Benicia boy. Here it was that he swung the blacksmith's heavy sled and practiced the first rudiments of the pugilistic profession, while subsequently gained him his worldwide notoriety. Many of the citizens are yet pointed out to the visitor as parties who at some period of their life served as a sandbag on which the muscular boy hardened his knuckles. As I gazed upon the scattered village, for it is no more, I mused how a man should come forth from such a paltry place to all the world. For as Goliath challenged the host of Israel, so came the brave Benicia boy and dared creation's millions. And as the youth shepherd afterwards king rose up and smote the overweening giant with a stone till all his brain oozed forth so from albion's isle a youthful king smote the western champion in the midriff with his molly and all his wind gushed out after searching some time to discover the blacksmith shop where the pugilist used to work i learned that it was a long since torn down and a church now occupied the site. But an old gentleman who kept a small boarding house conducted me to an ancient pump at which he said the boy, on several occasions, bathed his nose after having a bout with some person who didn't let him have things all his own way, and there I wept my tears of tribute. A large iron-bound boot jack set in a glass case was shown to me by a saloon-keeper. He assured me with this weapon the boy had killed several cats belonging to the neighbors which had disturbed his slumbers. This boot-jack had also caused the death of a mule, for, on one occasion, the pugilist hurled it with such violence at a cat that was scampering across the roof of a shed that the heavy missile went through the boards. 
A farmer's mule that was standing inside received the weapon behind the ear and immediately went to gravel as though he had been felled with a sledgehammer. The farmer instituted a suit against the boy to recover damages, but the friends of the pugilist made up a purse to satisfy the demand of the farmer, and the matter was hushed. I was also shown a jagged hole in a high board fence, which it is said the boy made one night while going home from a neighboring saloon. It seems he had some trouble with a companion before leaving the saloon, and seeing his shadow dogging his steps mistook it for the substance of his late antagonist, very naturally presuming that his intentions were anything but friendly, he turned hastily around and dissipated the obnoxious shadow by knocking it about fifteen feet into the garden. The fence rattled and shook around the whole lot under the terrible blow. He made a hole in the boards through which a large goat could readily jump without sacrificing any of its hair by the performance, and permanently injured a good-sized pear tree that stood inside the enclosure about three feet distant. The concussion was terrible. A couple of turkeys that happened to be roosting in the tree at the time dropped from their limb as though shot through the head with a needle gun. Never afterwards could they be induced to roost upon anything further from the ground than the crossbar of a saw horse or the handles of a wheelbarrow. No doubt the town at one time had great expectations, as it formerly was the capital of the state. It is now a capital joke to see a person undertaking to walk through the town in the winter season without faith strong enough or feet broad enough to support him upon the surface of the oceans of mud he will find himself gazing wistfully across. On my way down, a man was pointed out to me on the boat who is said to be the meanest man in his county. My informant assured me that when the mean individual's wife died last year, he borrowed a pair of forceps from the dentist at Venetia and extracted all her gold-filled teeth. And on the morning prior to her funeral, he sat upon the doorstep, hammer in hand, with a flat iron upon his knees, cracking the teeth like English walnuts, and with a sewing awl extracting the filling from the cavities. During my journey, I didn't cultivate that man's acquaintance. He is a person to stand away from, especially when clouds are charged with electricity. End of section 47, read by Julie Taylor, December 19, 2021.